Welcome to Atwood Unleashed 71. First guest of the evening, Billy Hayes, couldn't make it. So we're now bringing in one of our most requested guests ever, resplendent as usual in orange, Matthew Steeples. Steeples wearing... is... Nope. <laughs> you wearing, Matthew? I'm wearing the orange jump, especially for you. I've incurred all the locals asking me why I was wearing an orange jumper on a hot day like this, but um, especially for your audience, here I am. I'm looking at the thermometer on my fan right now, and it is 29 degrees. It's getting this hot. Uh, this is the last of it, I think, before it's going to cool down because it was up to 40 degrees recently. So Matthew in his orange jumper is doing absolutely great because he must be a bit sweaty there. So if you're not oh, well, familiar... We've got a bit of a sea breeze here, so that does help. If you're not familiar with Matthew, then tell them a bit about the Steeples Times. Well, I'm the publisher of a, an online daily title called the Steeple Times that we set up in 2012. We write about many different things, but true crime is one of them. Um, we do things like horse racing as well, um, you know, um, oligarchs, um, society, um, all sorts of different things, um, food and drink. But um, our most popular topics are um, somebody we can't talk about and um, a lady called Meghan Mark, formerly known as Meghan Markle. Um, I think that's if we write about her, we get more traffic than anything else. <laughs> what subjects with Meghan Markle have become of the most interest to your subscribers? Um, well, our most popular ever article is um, one asking about her PR person, who I call her PR peddler. As I, you know, he, he claims to be a journalist, called a man called Omid Scooby, who used to work for Heat magazine and used to hang out with Jodie Marsh. I don't know if you remember her, but, you know, a glamour model. And um, he's now morphed into a mouthpiece for uh, the Duchess of Sussex. And he wrote a book called Finding Freedom, um, we published an article saying, who really is Omid Scooby? And, um, you know, he he's somebody who's not quite who he seems. He's not quite the genuine journalist. His article today is simply attacking Tom Bauer for his book on Meghan Markle, um, saying that Meghan's new podcast is the best thing ever. He just does as he's told, really. And our our readers wanted to find out who he really was, to be honest. So, um, if, you do have a, if anyone's got a question for Matthew, please put it in the chat. We've got one from Joanna. Can Matthew speak about Yankee Wally? Well, Yankee Wally is somebody who came to my attention through a journalist who you actually met at my house from the Daily Mail um, in January. Um, she was very interested in her. This lady set up a YouTube channel to talk about her thoughts on Megan. And this was a Welsh lady who I didn't know what her real name was until later and her past. And um, she's become one of our biggest supporters. And um, she gives her opinions on a daily basis, rather like you were. She was cancelled on various channels because there are many people working with the Duchess of Sussex to get rid of anybody who dares criticise this lady or dares question her stories. Um, 
you know, there's not only her own family who she's trying to cancel, there are a lot of other people who upset her and they don't have any right to speak in her view. And Yankee Wally is a lady, an, an elder lady in Wales. Um, she ran her own business. She, she has a daughter. She became interested in this topic and she gave nightly discussions and read out the articles from newspapers. And she does so in a kind of witty Welsh way. And, uh, she makes sort of jokes about her own life and she's become quite an endearing sort of figure in mine. And sadly, um, a lot of people have witnessed her being cancelled. So uh, we came to join many who supported her. Sounds like someone we need to get on the podcast, but perhaps in the Patreon section because it's uh, unpalatable for the YouTube algorithm. I would definitely say that. That's the issue with her is if She's, ha she's been given radio shows, she's done many different things, but they don't seem to generally last. Um, her YouTube channel had a huge following, but it, it disappeared because there is a man called Christopher Boozy. I don't know if you've encountered him, but he runs a thing called Bot Sentinel, and he ran a campaign against her with the help of Omid Scooby, and the police were involved and all sorts of different matters. But, you know, this is how personal it gets, the situation of this story. It's not just about the war of the royal family. You know, Tom Bower's book was The War of the Windsors, but there's a whole other level of war on the, the, the people who are called the Sussex squaddies, who are the supporters of Meghan, and then the many, many hundreds of thousands who criticise her. And I, I, I receive messages from both sides of them, but obviously the ones that seem to like me are obviously the ones that aren't her fans. But um, I simply ask questions about you know her behaviour. Um, she chose to marry into a royal into a royal family, but she thought she could have the rights and privileges, but she didn't want the responsibilities. And I think that's the main issue that people who have a problem with um, the Duchess of Sussex um, have with her and her husband, because they want all the security detail, they want everything else, but they don't want to do any of the work. Now, Prince William and his wife, they. They do what they do, and whether you like them or not, they they do they do seem to be showing willing to participate. Um, whereas these two, that they just moan and groan and complain, and then they want a private life, but then they want to get a hundred million, which I don't believe in that number, by the way. I think the numbers are greatly exaggerated. But they want all this money from Spotify and Netflix, but um, they shot it, but but they want a private life. So make up your mind, time. I say of both of them. Right, I'm going to read the next question that's on the screen, but I'm going to abbreviate the last word so we don't attract algorithmic problems. Uh, can Matthew speak about the FMs? So the FMs, the palm ticklers, we've got three podcasts imminent about the FMs that I think people are going to really enjoy. We have a woman coming on who um, her dad did some evil things. Uh, I'll leave that to your imagination. And he was connected i believe to a judge and cops in the west yorkshire fm police the same police that protected savile we've got a prison guard coming on who was run out of the prison and attacked by fms and ended up losing his job because of the fms and we have got holly the prison governor in part two she is going to disclose the role of the FMs in the prison service and the guards and the guards union 
and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of FM content coming your way, viewers, in the next month or so. Now, from the cops and the guards we've interviewed, it does seem like those professions are particularly permeated by the FMs. Uh, do you have any perspective on the FMs? Um, well, I won't, I won't say anything that prejudices your channel, but um, there are groups of people in society who stick together and do things for one another. Now, the FMs, um, I don't know a huge amount about. I know people who have been involved in it. My own grandfather was briefly one of them, um, but he didn't like it, so he left. Um, but I would say, you know, look. Tell us look, more. Tell us more about that. What 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 did you learn from that? Um, well, my grandfather died many many years ago, but he he said that he didn't like the way that they behaved, and he didn't want to talk about it. That was all I ever got from him about that subject. But he was part of a community in in Manchester, and um, he, you know, in in the workplace in the nineteen fifties and sixties, people did join those things because. If you were, you know, a certain level of management, you were expected to join whatever you were told to join. And um, I think, you know, it was very much like going to the golf club. You know, you, you met certain people and if you did someone a favor, they did you a favor. I think that's partly what it's about. And, and the other thing that they do that they laud is the charity work. And I don't know why I'm on it, but I, I'm on a mailing list from from them. Um, which I get, you know, their press releases about things they do at their hall in central London, their very big place in Covent Garden, and it's all about their events. I've never been to any of them, um, but they're very keen to try and make themselves out to be part of the community now, and they they probably do do some good, but rather like Jimmy Savile with his um, Friday lunch club. You know, once you, you have people coming to your orbit, and you have something you want to hide, if you've got them in your orbit, you will be able to manipulate them into doing what you want. And there must be a bit of that going on with them, I do believe. Ash, but I can't say I have personal experience of them. I, I know people who are members of it. I have been invited to join such things, but I have always said I, it's not my thing. I, I'm you know, any club that would have me, I wouldn't want to join, I think is the, the way I feel about it. I I was a member of the Carlton Club, which was the premier conservative club of Great Britain for a while, and I didn't really feel aligned to it. So I left. That's the only club I've ever joined of that type. And it wasn't for me. I'm very much a loose cannon in my regard, and I like to do my own thing. So I'm not really the kind of person that would join such a thing. And I don't think you are either, Sean. Definitely not a person who would join, even though there are many conspiracy theories that I am already in it. Um, Ash has yep. asked if you could turn off whatever's beeping in your room. Is that a, is it your Whatever phone? Whatever is beeping, no, it, it could be my. It could be my computer. I'll let's, uh, let's, my let's mute email that. program. I'll quit it. And a huge thank you to everyone who's sending moment. in questions. We're going to continue. We're going to go over to McCann and the McCanns shortly. But I need to probe Matthew a little bit more about what he's just said, I think, because this... I, what, what, what's the Carlton Club? The Carlton Club is um, a club in St. James's, um, a gentleman's club that was um, originally um, became part of the Conservative Party. Um, it was bombed by the IRA. Um, it's a place where 
people, every prime minister, every conservative leader was automatically made a member. Uh, Margaret Thatcher was the first female member of the club because they had to have her because she was a leader of the party. Um, and, you know, it's a place where you can go and you can get a treat, cheap drink, cheap food. You get cheap accommodation if you're staying there. It's a beautiful building, but um, it's now really not that closely linked to the Conservative Party since David Cameron because he didn't like the, its ethos. And it's become more of a conference centre now, but I haven't been a member of it for many, many years. What didn't he like about its ethos? Well, it, was, it wasn't the, 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 the actual Carlton Club's ethos. It was, it was more the way that the... The, the fact that it, 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 the, I, I, the, I feel the Conservative Party left me. I, I didn't leave the Conservative Party. I didn't like okay. the Conservative Party as, from, from the moment that Ian Duncan Smith became leader, and I've not supported it ever since then. So I couldn't, so be it, a member, I couldn't be a member of the Carlton Club because you have to declare that you're a supporter of the Conservative Party. So are you saying that uh, London is strewn, strewn across London are... All kinds of fraternities, houses, clubs, FMs. Well, entities. yes, there are. You know, there are different clubs for different organisations. So the Garrett Club, for example, where Boris Johnson held his famous meeting with the owner of the, the, the editor, then editor of the Telegraph, you know, which helped him along during some of his troubles. Um, that that's primarily judges and actors. Um, you know, to be a member of the Travellers Club, uh, which. Terry Waite, for example, that's where I met him. Um, you know, you, you've got to come from the, the world of travel and exploration and, um, you know, things like that. There are all sorts of, the, the RAC clubs about motoring. You know, there's lots of different types of clubs and you pay an annual membership fee and, um, you know, you meet people there and there, it is a good place to be introduced to people. And the great benefit is when you travel, you get reciprocal arrangements in other cities and you get to cheap accommodation and you get to stay in amazing buildings and you do meet some characters. Um, I have to say such places can be very useful, but equally they're very incestuous. Um, so, it's so it's to be, not to like be... Jimmy Savile's police club because he was using it, he was using that to protect himself as a, on a personal level. That was a very much different kind of club. So to be invited into one of these clubs then, do you have to be from a certain section of society? For example, um, I'm from, Wit I'm from Witness. One of these, to be invited into one of these clubs, or even one of the clubs, for example, where Meghan Markle, you know, got in her, in her intro into London, Soho House, all of these clubs require that you are introduced. So you have to be brought in by someone who's ex an existing member and supported by other existing members. So to join the Carlton Club, you have to have a... Um, a proposer and a seconder so you have to know at least two people and then they have a book and you're put in a book and people can sign in the book for you and support you or they can put a, a mark against you and try and stop you so yes you do have to have an inroad so people get blacklisted from these places as well they can be you and then, and then normally what happens in those places if the person you've proposed um, is put on a blacklist, you have to resign yourself because you've introduced somebody bad. So it's, it wow. is a hierarchy. It's a very curious system, but I think it's a lot more relaxed than it was. But then you've got all these modern clubs, like, for example, Soho House, which is full of media people. 
and you know musicians and artists and um you know they they have they have you know they have a hierarchy more based on money it's if you're very rich you get in um there are many different levels of these clubs so for example in chelsea in london there's the chelsea arts club to be a member of that you have to be a, a, an author or an, or a or a painter or a poet you know madonna tried to join there and thought she could buy her way in the membership were having none of it she wasn't welcomed um you know i have a friend who had a shop in chelsea it was called voyage and to get in the door you had to you had to be approved basically and um they didn't like naomi campbell so they banned her and i quite commend them for that and um you know it's there are different ways and people do things but um no these members clubs are very quirky and they're each so they're, they're each very different and there are more kind of underground ones that are equally you know the same so it it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a high level of society there's the highs and the lows and the, the weird and the wonderful and um you can find clubs for anything any number of things there are groups of scientists who meet and there are groups of you know whatever the you know the, the in, in america you've got the bilderberg club of all these wealthy people and you've got you know all these people who meet in the forest and have these conventions about the environment and you know then you've got for example this burning man thing that's coming up that to get into that you have to pay a fortune and you, you're not guaranteed to get in um look at the thing on netflix this firefly festival it was a game which was a complete con but all of these things are groups of people who come together for a reason and they generally come together for a reason because they think they can benefit somehow from it so a nexus has put soho house is a third tier novo rich royals and aristocrats Do well i would say it's more media. i would say it's more media than anything else it's it's the media classes rather than the it is very you could say nouveau yes there's there's plenty of people it's you know there are places like annabelle's in mayfair which used to be a, a nightclub and um now it's been bought by a man called richard caring who owns most of the restaurants to so the ivy group and Le Caprice and um which is closed down but daphne's and he he owns this this group of clubs and to get in you again you have to be proposed and seconded but there's you know a lot of russian money and chinese it's you get in based on how rich you are basically what about is it the gonzo or the groucho or oh, the groucho in, in club is more again to do with it was more to do with theater so you know people like um stephen burkoff the actor who i know very well and um but again that's more more into being a bit more like soho house because money talks now those places have sold out because they are generally owned by a private individual or a company so ultimately they have to be commercially viable as well and to be commercially viable you've got to have people coming who spend money so for example in mayfair there was a, another place called the arts club and that was in dover street and it was a club for artists and they could go there and they could have a, a sandwich they had a very weird danish restaurant i don't know why the restaurant was danish but you go there and have a sort of pickled herring or whatever you wanted and it was very very cheap a sandwich was about three or four pounds which in a members club in london and a glass of wine was probably three pounds or something and then it didn't do very well because all the old members were dying so they sold to some very rich indian people and of course the patron was prince philip and um he came to reopen it for these people who turned it into a very smart 
Shishi Club. And it was Prince Philip and Gwyneth Paltrow who came to reopen it. But Prince Philip was actually reopening a commercial venture. And I asked a lot of questions about this at the time because the royals are not meant to endorse commercial ventures. And, you know, it was very, very sad because all these old members were told you can come back, but they couldn't afford to pay £25 for their sandwich. And that was the end of them. And now it's a very trendy place where the likes of Meghan Markle, for example, go. Um, so well, she when... doesn't anymore now she's in America, but that's where the kind of place she went before she got married. So, you know, it's it's sad how those places have driven out the real characters. The Chelsea Arts Club still has that. It is a, so... a real mix of eccentrics. So you mentioned earlier, and we know the FMs are yeah. patriarchal. You mentioned some of that earlier gentlemen's clubs, but now you're saying about you know Meghan Markle and stuff. Are they mostly men's only institutions? These places, the the likes of Soho House. No, no, these these commercial ventures are very much aimed at younger people. There's no, none of that hierarchy. That that hierarchy is gone. You know, the likes of the Carlton Club now has female members. There are there probably are a couple of clubs that don't have um, female members left. Um, but, you know, the affiliation of the Carlton Club is political. Um, and um, the Garrick Club, I think, has rules about which rooms men and women are allowed in. And there are clubs called, there's one called Whites, which is very aristocratic. And that's still got, her, you know, women are only allowed in certain rooms on certain days. Still. So, yes, wow. there is still discrimination in these places. So we had a question up earlier that's gone off the screen, but I think the lady wanted your general thoughts on the McCann case and how long all this money is going to keep getting spent on this case. Well, the McCann case is getting, again, more and more interesting because every day that goes by that they don't charge the German suspect, Christian Bruckner, um, is evidence that they haven't got anything on Christian Bruckner, in my view. And Mark Williams Thomas, did. he went to Portugal and he corresponded with Christian Brockner with a view to saying that he was the guilty party. But even he found that, you know, he, it didn't stack up. Um, they're keeping him going as a distraction from looking at the real issue, which is why, are they, why have they given £14 million to fund a search for somebody who, who simply won't be found? Because if you were going to be found, somebody would have traded in somebody by now, given all these rewards that were offered. And we're not talking £10,000 rewards like we, we get for some of the people we've talked about. So, for example, the reward with Stuart Lubbock, um, who, you know, we interviewed the lady who was his one-time wife. And, you know, that's a £40,000, £50,000 reward. And nothing's been done there. Now, the McCann case, we're talking rewards that are in the millions. Now, if you knew somebody who had taken that child, you would trade them in. It's a bit like the case that we've got at the moment in Liverpool with the, the poor child that was shot. You know, the underworld, somebody will trade that person in because it's so high profile. No one's going to allow that to, to be forgotten. Um, the McCann case is very, very strange. And there are too many people who associated associated themselves with it so you've got prime ministers ranging from tony blair gordon brown david cameron uh theresa may um you know they've all supported the mccann's 
Theresa May gave a party in Downing Street for the McCanns. If the McCanns were ever to be found guilty of anything, and I'm not saying they will be, um, is that, that these people will end up looking very stupid. Uh, likes of Philip Green, the likes of Richard Branson, they all offered very big rewards to help them. Um, and, you know, all of these people have put a lot of effort into supporting them. And, you know, the McCanns did associate with some strange people in the days after their child went missing. For example, Clement Freud, and they went and had their vodka and risotto with him. And, you know, he, he was alleged to be a paedophile. Um, many people say he was. And, you know, he he's dead now. So we can't prove that one way or the other. But the allegations are there. And, you know, the McCanns have had a misappropriation of resources in my view, because there are other people who are missing. And, you know, in the last few days, a friend of mine went missing. And yesterday, the Daily Mail thankfully covered the story. And he went missing. He's a 45-year-old person called William Cookson. And he disappeared from, from the 2nd of August. And I'm thankful to say today, um, we, my appeal and the Daily Mail's appeal has produced evidence that he was seen 10 days ago, which is more, which is a more recent sighting, which gives us all hope. And, you know, you can read about his story on my website and how he disappeared. He's a 45-year-old person who's had a number of issues in his life. He's had a, he's a very talented portrait painter, but he, he just vanished. And, you know, people can vanish, but in the case of the McCanns, that child has an unusual eye. There are so many people out there looking for it. Somebody would have traded in somebody if that child was still alive. Um, and the ridiculous stories that come out about, you know, we've seen it in a supermarket and this, that and the other. They, they're, never, they're never cited with a source. Nobody ever knows who gave this information. Yet the Metropolitan Police keep spending money on this. Why don't they help, for example, the family of Luke Durbin, whose son disappeared from Ipswich, and he was that's 10, 15 years ago, and his mother works for missing people. Why don't they help Kerry Needham, whose child disappeared in, in Greece? Um, you know, they, these are more ordinary people. Why don't they get help? Yeah, and I just want to say that our hearts go out to the family of the nine-year-old girl in Liverpool, because... Imagine, you know, you've just got a little daughter like that. One minute she's there, next minute she's dead. It's an absolute heinous, disgusting crime. Kev Warren, who was Michael Francis's bodyguard, he sent me a couple of clips yesterday when he was walking around Liverpool and his thoughts on the matter. And we have put a couple of our podcast guests out of Liverpool forward for the Pierce Morgan Uncensored show uh, going out this week. Hopefully, you know, their, their viewpoints will be expressed and... The bottom line is the war on drugs and drug laws, I believe, are a root cause of all of this. The violence it's, very of the drug... it's very the sad violence... that a family who were totally innocent were dragged into this because of a war between probably drug lords and that they were dragged into this and, you know, they came into their, invaded their house and killed their child. Yeah, it's, it's a function, it's an iron law of economics that the most violent gang will control the drug market. 
So there's been an arms race amongst these gangs all over the world, as we've seen with the cartels, whereby people are now, the whole family's now uh, tortured and it's put online. You know, the mafia in the old days, you don't harm women, don't harm kids, it's all out the window. Now there's an arms race whereby whoever commits the most extreme violence will maximize their profits from the drug market. And what is the most traded drug in the world? Weed. And it is an absolute crime that the government continues to allow criminals to run, control, and fight over this black market that is generating hundreds of millions, oh, sorry, billions a year. The black market in drugs is estimated at a trillion a year right now. Billions a year in profits getting handed over to gangs who can arm themselves to the teeth and commit these heinous crimes. So the government needs to look at its own policies instead of just being a reactionary entity that wants to make headline news, throw all these police on the streets, pretend to be tough on crime, pretend to be clamping down when they can damn well go back and address the root cause of what's causing this in the first place. Um, I quite agree with you. I think it's a disgrace. And it's only going to get worse. All right, on a lighter note then, Maid Marion Matthew has asked, what do you think about Anthony Joshua losing the boxing match the other night? <laughs> I, can't say I'm, I can't say I'm an expert on boxing, but um, uh, it all sounds rather a mess. And <laughs> um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can really answer any more than that. Yeah, and I, Tyson Fury's demanding, what, a, a massive fee now? to fight Uzik and I think he's you know he'll be the one who's going to sweep all these belts are you well, a Tyson Fury Tyson fan Matthew sorry are you a Tyson Fury fan Matthew um I I I think that the man is uh, definitely a character and um <laughs> I uh, have to say you know I coming from near where he he uh, lives in Morecambe in Lancashire I used to live near there um you know, I think the community there is very much behind him. And uh, I think he's, he's, you know, he's someone who's turned his life around and made something of himself. So, yes, I would root for him, yes. He is an absolute legend and a character. And we'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. So, the jolly man, I mean, this if you've just tuned in, it's Ask Matthew Anything, A-M-A. And the jolly man's oh, got so an interesting one here. Legends, are we? Did ancient civilizations become cannibalistic and into human sacrifice, or did they follow the sun? Well, the people I witnessed on the beach here in Broadstairs on the summer solstice were very much sun worshippers. Um, there are supposedly a coven of Wiccans down here, and they gather in the woods and do whatever they do now. I, I don't think these people harm anything, and they, but I. I don't know much about their activities. You know, you do read about people using such things for purposes of bad, but um, I think they're mostly harmless. T. O'Shaughnessy would like to know, Matthew, what drew you to true crime in the first place? Where did it all start? Um, well, I think the first time I experienced true crime was when I was a child and um we were going to a wedding um, of my aunt's um, close friend and we were driving to Oxfordshire and um, we stayed somewhere and um, we, I was with my grandmother and my mother and we were in a, 
holiday cottage that we were renting and um, uh, it came on the television that the lady we were due to go to this marriage of had been shot with a crossbow and she was murdered and um, her murder has never been solved. Um, her late name was Diana Moores. You won't find much about her on the internet, but um, it was a very unusual killing in West London. She to be killed with a crossbow and it kind of scared me and made me think about things. And I was very young and it, that, that stuck in my mind. And then gradually more and more of these cases started to, I'd read about things. I used to love Miss Marple. Miss Marple was my Sunday evening viewing by the fireside. And I loved the theme tune and I loved the way that she solved simple crimes. <laughs> Princess Diana Boston breaks. Is that... Um, well, I think the big, the big problem with the death of Princess Diana is the fact that the bodyguard appeared to have been, you know, drinking or intoxicated. The car that Mohammed Fayed had supplied um, had been chopped up. It was, a, it was a car that had lots of problems. If she had taken royal bodyguards, things may have been rather different to the amateurish people who drove her in that tunnel. Now, the thing about the Fiat Panda, that's very bizarre. Yes, the man disappearing and he's dead. And there are many theories about it. But again, I, I can't answer that because I don't I don't know. I, I think there are many strange things. She believed that someone would kill her and, and a car accident was something she talked about. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, as you know, so I, I, I don't know. Well, there's an endless fascination with secret societies on this channel. And uh, yeah. Zaref, the alchemist, would like your thoughts on the Club of Rome, the Bilderbergs, and the RIIA. I think that the likes of Bilderberg are, are groups of very powerful people who come together and they do change the world. And whether they change it for the benefit of you or I is very questionable. And, you know, I've written in the past about a man who owns um, a thing you may have read called Breitbart. Um, which is a, a right-wing channel, um, and he funds things in Britain like the Taxpayers Alliance, which is nothing to do with supporting taxpayers. It's it's a lobby group for the likes of Nigel Farage's friends, and his name is Robert Mercer, and these people have more powerful than prime ministers and presidents, and when they come together, they get things done their way, and I, you know, a lot of people on your channel talk about the Rothschilds and Yes, the likes of Rothschild linked to a lot of these people. And we won't talk about, you know, the lady who I've written most about, but they all they all link together. Yes. You, what about Klaus Schwab? Klaus, this, Klaus, this Klaus Schwab guy, what are your thoughts on him? Um, another person with too many connections. So, you know, when you get to these connections, um, I will see if I can quickly find you. You know, I, I do things like that. Uh, it, it I put together. Your, is that the inside of your brain, right there, externalized? That's my mind map, and I I put together the connections between these people, and you know some connections are weak, and some are much stronger. But these people all come together when it suits them to benefit themselves and their connections, and that is it, a. Sometimes it can be for the good of the world. Sometimes it's most definitely not. What about when a Alex so the Jones family? 
Yes, the Bakeland family um, were a very interesting family, and I have written a, quite a bit about that. Um, if you're interested in that, you should watch a film with Julianne Moore and Eddie Redmayne. It's called Savage Grace. Um, so Anthony Bakeland was um, the son of a, an American lady um, who was an actress who married the heir to the Bakelite plastic fortune. And they were very sociable people. They were very strange people. They had very warped morals. It was in the 1950s or 60s. Um, and they traveled extensively. They moved to London and they brought this child with them. They, they, the child was very strange. It used to pull the wings off but butterflies and it, it was obsessed with its dog. And when its dog died, it slept with its dog's collar forevermore. And, um, and the, boy, the boy was clearly gay but his mother didn't like him being gay. So the mother decided to sleep with her own son to try and make him straight, which was a very strange thing to do. And meanwhile, he was bringing home his school friends and they lived in Cadogan Square. Um, and um, the father took a liking to one of these children and um, eventually ended up living or marrying one of them. And that made the child even more angry. And da, 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 the whole series of events occurred. And ultimately, one night, um, the boy, who was called Anthony Bakeland, um, decided to murder his mother. And he tried to throw her under a, under a car previously. She'd been to see a psychiatrist who'd said, be warned, this child will kill you. And she said, no, it won't. And anyway, that the... The child eventually killed the mother, and then he, he didn't ring the police, he rang for a Chinese takeaway. And eventually the police came, and he, he was locked up, and because of all these well-meaning rich people, he was allowed out. And it, on the condition, he went back to America, and he was put on a plane with um, a minder to take him there. And he told the minder, I will kill my grandmother, because he was going to live with her. He stabbed her, I think, 47 times. Somehow she miraculously survived. He was put in Rikers Island. And again, he thought he would get out because of all the well-meaning friends. And he was told, you won't be getting out. And then he killed himself. So it was a very tragic story of wealth. And there were people, the parents were friends with people like Pablo, uh, Pablo Picasso and, you know, all sorts of people, Warhol and it was a, it was a very high, but this child had a, had a warped upbringing and the story is very well told in this film, Savage, Savage Grace, which I urge people to watch. I need to watch that. What a fantastic question and an unexpectedly harrowing answer. Yes. Project yeah. Reject, Matthew. The, the World Economic Forum is financially backed by Lucis Trust, founded by Alice Bailey, originally called Lucifer Trust. Any veracity to that? Um, I don't know the specifics of that, but um, yes, these trusts all have very odd, odd backgrounds and odd people involved in them. And um, you know, I've been sent something by the lady who we talked with in the past, Kirby Summers, and we won't go into what she talked mostly about. But um, I'm looking into something with her of a similar nature, and you know, there are there are connections with the likes of Freemasonry and heaven and hell and all these kind of things. And 
yes, it's they do have odd, odd names, a lot of them. What are your thoughts on the murder of Jill Dandov? This is from Robert Marshall. Well, the, the murder of Jill Dando interests me in some ways because obviously my my mother and my aunt's friend, Diana Morse, was shot with a crossbow on her doorstep in West London at a similar, slightly earlier, but, um, you know, that sort of time. And it, it was a similar sort of aged woman of connections of the similar type. And the Jill Dando matter is more complicated than that you know she was the crime watch presenter and she talked about bosnia and they say it was a warlord perhaps and then there was her links to her knowledge of jimmy savile you know she had spoken out about jimmy savile um you know she she was connected to all sorts of people you know she had she had a friendship with um jeffrey archer um you know she she knew all sorts of she'd she had a, a hus husband, fiance, who who seemed like a successful man, and um, you know there were all sorts of people with motive, and I feel sorry for that poor man who was falsely imprisoned, because you know they clearly pinned it on him just to try and shut the whole matter down. Now, again, we don't know the truth of it, but uh, it's definitely more likely linked to her work on Crime Watch than it was to anything else. Is that a bit like they pinned it on Jeremy Bamber to shut the whole matter down? Well, again, I was um, on there the, uh, the the discussion with the with the people we talked with um, the other day, um, Philip and Yvonne, and you know, again, you you look at the police records and the way things were handled. Now, I don't know whether he was innocent or guilty, but I think there is a need for a reinvestigation of such a story because, you know, the police burned evidence. They took it home with them and they destroyed it. Why would you do that if you didn't have something to hide? So with this next question, and Ash has sent in a reminder for us not to mention the grand old Duke of York in your response to this one or to skirt around it somehow. Uh, yes. Maybe just say the Duke, the Duke perhaps. So any info on the girl found drowned in a pond at Sandringham? Um, I, I don't know what became of that story, but... Um, Yes, there was a person who who drowned there, and there was all, all was found dead there. But you know, people are found dead in many different places, and you know, it's it's a vast estate of thirty thousand or something acres. So it could be purely coincidental, or it could be something more sinister. But you know, I I I was looking up at the weekend because of my friend being missing. Um, I looked up the missing persons unit, and. I was even I was shocked, and I'm sure you've obviously seen such things yourself. But the number of people whose bodies are found in this country, and nobody knows who they are. Um, you know, some of the people listed on this site, it just said, looked like a vagrant, found with a set of keys, don't know who they are, might be about 50 years old. And that's how they're marked down. And, you know, isn't it sad that that's how somebody could be remembered? And people out there don't even look for them. And wow. you know, with the case of Luke Durbin, the boy who disappeared in Ipswich, they recently found remains in a river near there. Mm. And of course, immediately the people thought maybe it was him or maybe they thought it was this Cory McKeague who was the, the airman who went missing, uh, who they've recently had the big inquest into. And it wasn't, it was somebody else and nobody knows who it is. So 
with the case of the girl in the the pond i don't know what became of that because i've never heard any more which suggests they don't even know who it was but i may be wrong maybe there is more on that that i haven't heard about what are your thoughts about people printing out guns at home using 3d printers well i think that's highly irresponsible um i don't think that should be encouraged by anybody i i think we need to be very careful about guns and you know you have to look at the situation in america i have i'm not an anti-gun person but but i think the way which people are encouraged to use guns should be monitored and be you know it should we should be careful about it you know we we have less gun crime here that is because because of the way the gun laws are compared to america but um you know i think it's again about who controls the gun you know if you get a bad person with a gun you only look at what happened in dunblane and again that 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 links back to the freemasonry stuff with that man's connections and um you know if you allow a bad person to get hold of a gun then bad things are going to happen what's the worst criminal you've come across well we did a documentary well, I, on Sa we did a documentary on savile didn't we so that's one of the worst well but that that's not somebody i've actually met okay um are they saying the worst met. person i've ever met perhaps um, that is the um question yep um Gosh, I, I, I think the, the strangest I met was um, a waiter who I, who I knew in a restaurant in Chelsea, and he was a nice, innocent person. But I couldn't fathom why, why he was able to afford to live in an apartment around the corner from the restaurant. Um, and he had a girlfriend, who seemed very attractive and much a little older than him, and she had a child and. Um, one night he 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 left the restaurant and I remember sitting and having a drink with the staff and I remember him leaving and he went home and he discovered her with somebody else and basically she had worked as a prostitute and um, that was how they afforded to live the way they did and he he didn't realize this I think he was a little naive and he killed her and tried to kill the child and he wrote to me from prison on remand and asked if I would support him and I couldn't fathom why would why I would want to support such a person after what he did to this woman and her child because the child was very lucky to live and yes people have moments of intense passion but that that was awful what happened there and I I was horrified by it um, but I've, like... I've spoken with people who you know I've corresponded with other people in prison who who have done very bad things um and people who I believe to be innocent. And I, again, you know, the case of Mark Alexander, I think there's, there's somebody who, who has never admitted his guilt and is being tortured in prison as a result. And he's, it's totally wrong. And um, I think there are people who, there are cases of grave missing in, injustice out there. And you know about this more than anything else. For all these people that are very guilty and should be in there forever and ever, there are people who really, have been put in the wrong place and it's absolutely terrible matthew you've been a gentleman as usual yeah. during this ama we're gonna to have to do an ama part two ask matthew anything part two and <laughs> well, the the I'm answers to fill in, but I'm, I'm sorry i'm not as exciting a guest as the other one but <laughs> well everybody has been absolutely delighted with you stepping in and taking all these questions and a huge thank you to all the viewers as well I'll be back in 30 minutes with a dark journalist. And please support Matthew 
at the Steeples Times. Links will be in the description box. You're welcome to pester him on Twitter. Send him questions, stalk him. He tries to get give everybody a, a response. His Twitter handle's down there. And again, have a great rest of your day on the South Coast, Matthew. Okay, well, thank you very much. See you, Matthew. Okay, bye-bye. Cheerio.